Beep boop boop. Beep boop pop. Beep boop 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 pop. I don't want this recording to turn into scatting. Welcome to Horror Academy, where we try to make the intros less awkward than we did last time. <laughs> that was beautiful. <laughs> Just a little bit less awkward. <laughs> I'm Alexandria Youngray with my glorious darling co-host, Sunshine Bellon. Hello. <laughs> I had to make it a little bit awkward. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotta awkward mm-hmm. it up, because my intro was not nearly as awkward as it was last no, time. No, it went. It was way too smooth. I couldn't. I couldn't let that go. Too smooth. <laughs> yeah. If the audience isn't squirming with us, then what are we even doing? Right. There's no point. No point. No point. All right. So last time, we had a big old murder. If you recall. I recall. All right. So that happened 1974. Trial happened 1975. We're now in December 1975. But I want to preface this with The Exorcist coming out. Oh, okay. Because I don't, I don't think that it's like the story. Like, it doesn't need to be gone into deeply. Mm -hmm. I just don't think that we would have had Amityville if it weren't for the fact that The Exorcist came out shortly before this. So the film came out in 1973, Mm -hmm. and the book came out in 1971. Okay. And before this, the only people that really cared about Satan were evangelical nuts and Catholics. Okay. (laughs) So tell me more. So, So that came out. And, I mean, you've heard people talking about The Exorcist when it first came out, and they're like, it scared the fuck out of me. Yeah. Well, and there was that whole phase. And I guess maybe, I don't know how early it started, but I feel like in the 80s and 90s, like, people were being accused of being Satanists and, like, you know, as teenagers and carted off to treatment centers and stuff, like, saying they're slaughtering uh, animals. Satanic and, panic. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, Satanic Panic was a real big problem in the 80s, and I honestly think that The Exorcist in Amityville directly impacted that. Right, I could see that. That would make a lot of sense. So so a lot of bad came from, uh, came from Ronald DeFeo. You fucknut. <laughs> you know, since he's definitely listening to podcasts. Yeah, definitely. In prison. Especially this one. So... Especially this one. This huge podcast. <laughs> Did I tell you? We have like, we have like a hundred listens. What? That's so exciting. Yeah. Yeah. No, we like in the last seven days, like 40 people have listened. And we hey, thanks 40 people. Three weeks. That's great. Thanks 40 people. <laughs> Appreciate you. So that's fucking exciting. <laughs> but. Okay. So back to this house. We are back in. 112 Ocean Avenue. It's December 14th? December? Nope, it's December 18th. Yep, December 18th, 1975. 
It's cold, it's Long Island, it's Amityville. We've got the Lutz family. So George and Kathy Lutz were married the summer before this. They were married in June or July 1975. I think you sent me pictures of them. Yeah, I did. Yeah, it's in the thing. If you want to open up your lovely, there's the little family photo. Um, so Kathy had Christopher, who was 12, Daniel, who was 10, and Missy or Melissa, who was five. And George wanted to adopt them, which is why they all got the Lutz name. Although I think a couple of them went back afterwards. Went back. But that's not really... Went back to their original name. It was like Quartino oh, okay. or something like that. Quarinto. I don't remember. Started with a Q. I'm very smart. <laughs> well-researched. <laughs> yes. Impeccably well-researched. Sorry. I asked the hard questions. I actually researched a fuckload. But I just didn't write it down. Anyway, moving on. The house was being sold for a super bargain price because of the highly publicized, extremely grisly murder the year prior. The family got together, talked about it, decided they were all okay with moving into the house, and they moved in. Ugh. I don't know. How cheap would a house have to be? It was 80000 For you to move into it. No, no. For you personally, for you to move into it, how cheap would it have to be? Honestly, just cheaper. Really? If the if the walls aren't splattered in blood, then like I don't know. I lived in a dead lady's room before. <laughs> I feel like this is different. Yeah, but like I don't know. I I'd smudge it and call it good. All right. <laughs> I don't know if I could do that. I'm not I'm not that like like if it was being sold for a bargain price, which it probably would be, I would be like Hell yeah, murder your family in this house. Don't murder your family (laughs) to sell a cheaper house. Even to me. (laughs) As much as I would love to someday own instead of rent, please avoid family annihilation. (laughs) Especially for your sake. Yes. Um, To make it even grosser. Now this, this is the line that I would draw. Okay. For an extra $400, the bank left all of the DeFeo furniture short of the bloody mattresses the family had died on. Oh my god, that's so awful. That's so awful. The furniture? I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Like, telling your kids to go to sleep in that bed? No. 100% I would sleep in the house of a murdered family. Because, I don't know, I'm broken? But, like, 100% would not use that family's furniture. Yeah, I I couldn't imagine doing either of those things, especially the furniture, especially the beds. Especially the beds. Like, they just took the mattresses. No, 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 no. They didn't. They, they left out the mattresses. It was everything right. but the mattresses. But the bed frames, right? But the bed frames are still there, I would assume. Yeah, I think and so. And that would be too much for me. Yeah. It's... <laughs> yeah, no way. So... So that's, that's fun. Spooky shit started almost immediately. Apparently within hours of their arrival, their dog, Harry, attempted to hang himself by jumping the fence while his leash was still tied up. That sounds more like they don't know how to tie up a dog, but still. Or like the dog was kind of dumb and had never been tied up that close to a fence that it could jump over. 
Regardless, that sounds less supernatural and more like, oh, that sucks for them and their dog. Yeah. No, and the thing is, like, I've had dumb dogs do shit like that. Yeah. Like, it's not exactly common, but, I mean, that's exactly it. It's like, you move into a new house and your dog's like, oh my god, this is great, I'm gonna run around! And then... Something terrible happens. Yeah. Yeah, I worry about that with the place that I'll be getting in November and Lala. Because it's totally well, the yard. Don't tie Lala too close to a fence that she can. No, jump the problem is it's like super rural, and so the fence is crap, and I don't want her to get out, or even mm-hmm. like get into trouble in the larger part of my yard because it's all like Russian olive and scrub oak and stuff. So I need to like take care of that. Yeah. So the there's a friend of the family that suggested that they have the house blessed by a priest. Yes, sir. Which is fair. Um, George was a Methodist, but Kathy was Catholic. So, A, she knew what to do, and B, she was like, oh, hell yeah, that's a great idea. Father Ray, or his name was actually Father Pecoraro. Pecoraro, okay. Came and blessed the house. And in one room, I think Dawn's, Mm -hmm. he heard a deep voice tell him to get out and felt a slap across the face. Wow. Wow. That's intense. And really spooky. Yeah. He then told the Lutzes not to let anyone sleep in there, but luckily they had planned to turn it into a sewing room. Great. We'll just sew in the haunted room. It's fine. No one will sleep there. Yeah, they're fine. Ugh. No way. No thank you. The priest also later claimed to develop a severe fever and boils on his hand similar to stigmata. Why is it with stigmata always, like, negative at, like... Fucking uh, Catholics. <laughs> I just pissed off, like, I don't know, five people listening to yeah. this show, but sorry, Catholic folk. I'm gonna be making fun of your religion a little today. <laughs> as long as you give them, like, warning now, I think it's fair. Yeah. Warning. Probably gonna be poking some shots at Catholics today. No naughty priest jokes, though. Oh, how kind of you. Not not just yet. That's for later. <laughs> oh, no. uh, so, apparently, Leonard Nimoy had a show called In Search uh-huh. Of, and Feather, Father Pecoraro was on it, and he was in the, like, the blacklit screen so that you couldn't oh, see his face, yeah, yeah, yeah. yada, yada. And, uh, and he confirmed this story on, on In Search Of with Leonard oh, Nimoy. Oh, okay. But then in an affidavit that he signed under oath, he actually admitted that he only spoke to the Lutzes on the phone and never actually went into the home. Oh, how lame. <laughs> That's so lame. So, so I'm going to be kind of like shitting all over this parade throughout the story. Oh, man. All right. I'm sorry, but it is what it is. Uh, originally... The next 28 days, they saw shadowy figures and heard strange, unexplained noises, but it progressed. So I'm just, I'm just going to do my best. Basically, like, they had this first story, and then it got bigger as they kept Right, spiraled it. out of control, kind of? Yes. So, and this is what I was telling you about. The original story came out in, like, a New York newspaper, and then again... 
uh, in okay. good housekeeping, and I could not find those articles. If somebody finds those articles, send them to me. Oh my god! <laughs> but from the documentaries mm-hmm. that I've seen, from what I can tell, those original articles basically said we saw shadowy figures. And we heard some unexplainable noises yeah. and blah, 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 blah. But it gets way more extreme. So I'm going to tell it from the best I can with what Kathy and George said and backed okay. up. And then I'll just sort of keep retelling it as it goes Great. on. I love it. In depth. Awesome. Okay. So let's start with Kathy smelled a sweet but cheap perfume and felt a friendly woman's embrace from behind. Okay. I'm going to go with that's uh, Louise DeFeo. <laughs> okay. Just like, you know, like a nice Italian lady. <laughs> Cheap but sweet perfume. Yeah. You saw that portrait. She looked like she wore cheap but sweet perfume. Yeah, uh, okay. Fair. Fair. I can see that. George described hearing footsteps when no one was there and the sounds of instruments by a dis- by disorganized musicians. Okay. So like a marching band warming up, just like, you know, the sound of a symphony before the symphony Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what he s- described. Interesting. George's personality also changed. His hygiene suffered, and he always felt cold. He became obsessed with fire and chopping wood. That's weird. He, yeah. And you'll see that if you watch the movie, he's always chopping wood and it's just like a thing that happens to be going on. He also began waking up at 3.15 a.m. every morning, which was supposedly the same time as the murder. Oh, no. Yeah. I don't like that at all. And 3 a.m. is the devil's hour. Oh, really? It's the devil's hour because it makes a mockery of the Holy Trinity. Okay. More Catholic so, shit. So 3 p.m. is fine, but 3 a.m. is like, no. Well, 3, 3 p.m. you're like taking a nap at your desk. You know. <laughs> There's Nothing no sinning particularly at sinister happens at 3 p.m. All of the sinister things happen at 3 a.m., though. Anytime you're awake till 3 a.m., you're up to no good in the eyes of the Lord. You know, I, uh... <laughs> uh Sam told me something his mom used to say to him. Which was, I think it's something like the uh, God goes to bed at midnight or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) And so, like, you can't be out after midnight because, like, God's asleep at that point. Like, that's that's when you're going to get into trouble. (laughs) No, that's perfect. That means God's not watching anymore. (laughs) Right? Telling your teenage son that this is the hour at which God stops paying attention to what you're doing. Perfect. That's all I've ever wanted. That being really counterproductive in the long run, but that's fine. <laughs> so the children also began sleeping on their stomachs, which, if you recall, was how the uh, yeah 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 oh I recall the rest of the family died. And Missy developed an imaginary friend named Jody, who apparently presented itself like a demonic pig. What? Um. Okay. Wait. How- so it was like a pig with glowing red eyes. And how accurate, where this information is also from Good Housekeeping articles or what? I'm not sure, but this is something that the, again, because I couldn't find them. I don't think that this was from the Good Housekeeping articles, but the Lutz family continued to back this up when retelling the story. Oh, they told it the same every time? I mean, the same-ish. Right. But 
That's so creepy. I don't like that at yeah. all. And like to to the Lutz's credit, like specifically Kathy and George, they took this story to their grave. They never once said that it was a hoax. They definitely said that like the Amityville horror blew it completely out of proportion. Mm-hmm. But they they continued to keep the story. And we're like, right. no, this is definitely, like, this definitely happened to us. Interesting. Okay. So, at the very least, I gotta give him credit for that. Yeah. If nothing else, commitment. Yeah. However, so this is kind of a fun thing. Uh, the next door neighbor, Rufus Ireland. Okay, great. I love it already. Which is a name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he had this giant, like, Persian cat, Siamese cat. Persian? Persian. I think the Persian cats uh, are the big ones. Yeah. Who uh, Butch DeFeo actually called Peggy because it was so fucking fat. Oh, interesting. And and the glowing red eyes thing, I was like, okay, that seems weird. Because, like, cat's eyes glow in the dark, but I've only seen them glow green. Right. But then, the other day, I was looking at Hannah's eyes, and her eyes are actually yellow. Uh-huh. And they were glowing because of the way she was sitting, like, in the bathroom. There was, like, just enough light getting Mm -hmm. into her eyes. And they were red. They were glowing red. Oh, how interesting. So, Jody the pig was probably... A fat-ass cat. cat. (laughs) Piggy the kitty. (laughs) That's great. Which which is just very pleasing to me. (laughs) I love that so much. Yeah, that's good. Um... This is a cool one. So one window window would open and close on its own. Mm-hmm. And they have this story of like, oh, fuck. I don't remember if it was Daniel or Christopher who uh, got his hand smashed in the window. Mm-hmm. They went into the home. And I saw it in one of these documentaries that I watched. And the counterbalance was off in the floorboards. Whoa. And it literally made it so that you stepped on the floor in the right way and the window would pop open. That's crazy. How big of a coincidence is that? That's, it seems like such a random, like, house malfunction to happen. Yeah. And so, like, if if I was already kind of spooked, I would be like, oh my god, I'm fucked, it's a ghost. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Like, if I was in a house and I was like, oh, I've heard some weird noises and I don't really like it because people were murdered here. And then a window fucking opened on its own. Yeah, I would get the fuck out of there. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> like, I'm a pretty logical, rational person. And if somebody brought me back in and was like, look, if you step on it, it opens. I'd be like, that's creepy, but okay. <laughs> right. I'm with it. I can But until it that point, <laughs> I would just be running away. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. They also said that a green slime began began oozing from the walls. I would like you to scroll down this document real quick. All right. I put in one crime scene photo. It's not gory. Oh, okay. The and, room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. It's not gory. I almost didn't realize it was a crime scene photo. Yeah. You see the weird shit on the door? Yeah. That's fingerprint dust. So not green slime. It's this weird kind of like green gray stuff. So basically the assumption is they saw leftover fingerprint dust all over the house because they dusted the whole fucking house. Okay. And they assumed that 
it was also part of the paranormal yada yada. Okay, interesting. Yeah, that seems logical. Yeah. The house also, they said, had swarms of flies, which was particularly strange for December. And the, like, spooky implication there is Beelzebub, the demon of the flies. Oh, yes. But that one has a pretty easy solution as well, because the family wasn't taken out of the home for 48 hours. Oh, no. So the house got a lot of flies. And yeah, it was a year later, but they just sort of locked up the house. You leave the heat on. Yeah, the flies. Bam, you've got flies. Oh, that's gross. That's that's upsetting. Yeah. That's not like the cat thing at all. It doesn't make it any better. No, it doesn't. (laughs) It's it's just gross. It makes it less spooky, but but it doesn't make it better. No, that almost makes it worse. Actually, yeah, that makes it worse. You're like, oh, those are corpse flies, not demon (laughs) flies. No worries. That's not better. Not better. (laughs) Uh, Kathy also had put up a crucifix, and she said that it rotated upside down and emitted a sour smell. I've got nothing for that. Somebody turned the crucifix upside down, or she hung it weird, or I don't know. Maybe there were ghosts. (laughs) Yeah. But that's just one of those, like, Crucifixes hanging upside down always seem to be just more an error of, like, basic home decorating how to hang up (laughs) things, right? Like, you'd think you would just put the nail in, like, the center, in the cross section, or at the very top. But these people are always, like, mounting them at the very bottom so they have a swivel point. And that way, just, they go right upside down. (laughs) People who think they're getting haunted all the time are just terrible. They're doing it to themselves. Uh Uh-huh. They're haunting themselves. With poor carpentry. There's also a story where George tripped over a China lion, and he ended up finding bite marks on his ankle. Again, I don't have a solution to this. But he moved it into the sewing room and later found it again in the living room. And I honestly just think that's a matter of somebody, like, not alerting him that they had moved it back there because they wanted it to be there. Right. (laughs) Because, I mean, how many... You live in a house with five people. Shit's going to get moved at, moved around and they're not going to tell every single person when they move something. Oh yeah, for sure. That makes sense. And so, you know, he moves this lion up to the sewing room and Kathy's going into her sewing room and she's like, fuck that. This is a living room lion. This is my goddamn <laughs> sewing room. I don't want this fucking lion in my sewing room. She puts it back in the living room. It's bit by it again. Yeah. And George is like, who put this lion in there? And Kathy's like, well, I didn't do it. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. I don't know what you're talking about. They also found this evil red room that was not in the blueprints of the house. And they just felt so spooky and scared about it. I saw a documentary okay. that uh, actually included interviews with a somebody who used to be a friend of the DeFeo kids. Mm-hmm. Which was really sad because he was like, yeah, I fucking loved them. And it was really, really tragic when they all fucking died. But he specifically remembers, like, they took this weird little room in the basement that was, like, under the crawl space of the stairs. Mm -hmm. And they painted it red one day. And they used it for, like, toy storage and as, like, a little mini playroom. Okay. 
so for him, the Red Room existed. It was just a fun little weird space. Yeah. It wasn't like spooky or evil. It's just a weird little Red Room. Right. And for them, it's totally like terrifying. But I mean, again, you're already spooked by everything and you're like, oh, no, it's a Red Room. Tiny little Red Room. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that would make me uneasy. Yeah. So they they apparently don't like to talk about the night they left. But I did find uh, like a little talk where George described the night. Mm-hmm. He said that there was a storm outside that they could only see from inside the house. The doors and cabinets were swinging open and closed and they ripped off their hinges. Kathy and the kids levitated out of bed and George woke up but couldn't move. Oh my. And then Kathy turned into an old woman. But um <laughs> <laughs> She like she like transformed into a 90-year-old woman. Yeah, I know, I'm sorry. And it was very spoopy. So George actually has a lot of stories of like waking up and not being able to move mm-hmm. and waking up and having weird things. I honestly just think he had a sleep disorder. Right. I was going to say, isn't that a really common thing? Like spe- specifically the combination of seeing weird shit and um, sleep paralysis. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And also like there's stuff that basically implicates that he was sleepwalking. And apparently they found that pretty much all of the sleep disorders mm-hmm. are different forms of the same disorder. Oh, really? Yeah. So, like, and it's super genetic. So, like, everyone in my family has fucking sleep disorders. My brother gets night terrors. I get sleep paralysis. My uncle sleepwalks. Interesting. Yeah. So, it's, like, super genetic. And it's just any weird sleep shit. (laughs) It's the same thing. So, George was sleepwalking and getting sleep paralysis. Right. Which is terrifying. Don't get me wrong. Like, it's... Like, sleep paralysis is awful, but it's not spooky in, like, a there's a ghost here. It's just, it's like a nightmare where you are awake, but you're not awake. I don't like that. So it's an inc- it's an incredibly frustrating nightmare where you kind of feel like you're chained down. Mm. <laughs> no, I don't like that either. It's, it's shitty. It's shitty. But it's not ghosts. But also, again, like you just keep saying... When all this other spooky stuff is happening and you already know what happened in that house and like, yeah, in that context, I could see how literally everything would be haunting. Yeah. And the thing is, like, I, I started having sleep paralysis before I knew what it was Mm -hmm. and I just assumed that it was nightmares. And then I started hearing stories about sleep paralysis and, like, learning about it. And there was that weird documentary on it. And I was like, oh, shit, that's what I get. Mm -hmm. And if I was, like, more inclined to believe in ghosts or spirituality or something, then maybe I would have thought I was possessed. But because I've had nightmares before and I'm not particularly, like, I don't really believe in anything weird... I just assumed that it was nightmares. Yeah. Just really intense, really shitty ones. Yeah. Yeah. Thankfully, I don't really get nightmares. It's great. That's nice. Mm-hmm. I love it. Although I like horror movies, so it's kind of like I get to have a horror movie in my sleep. That doesn't sound like a good change <laughs> to me. I know. No, I don't think it's worth it. 
Um, but yeah, no, basically, I don't, I don't necessarily think that, like, the Lutzes were lying through their teeth. I think that they definitely exaggerated some stuff to, like, seem more credible. Yeah. But I kind of believe in the houses aren't haunted, people are haunted. Mm-hmm. And, like, Kathy, Kathy was Catholic, and the house did just barely have this grisly murder happen in it. And there were, like, a handful of, like, legitimately spooky things. They weren't necessarily, like, paranormal, but they were very spooky. What? And they convinced themselves that this was happening, and they were fairly reasonable in doing so. Yeah. So that's kind of what I think happened. Was maybe not that the house was haunted, or it wasn't haunted, but that they very legitimately felt like they were haunted. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely sounds like that. Especially because, like, they really took that to their grave. Like, they full-on, like, they never went back on their word. They never said, like, that the story was made up or... Right. And, you know, Which, like, you'd think 40 you might years do of... eventually if you were lying. Yeah. Or felt like you 30, were 30, 40 years of people calling your bullshit. Yeah. I don't know. I'm kind of inclined to believe that they weren't lying. I think that's a good stance. So they fled in the middle of the night on January 14th, 1976. They left all of their belongings behind and they never stepped back inside that house. Wow, they were serious. They were serious. So I know that I moved through the hauntings really quick and I'm going to retell it with different versions of the story and more bullshit. But I don't think that's the fun part. This next part is what I think is the fun part. Okay. This is when everybody else gets involved and it gets crazy. Okay. So, originally the story was published in the New York uh, newspaper and the Good Housekeeping. Mm -hmm. And I can't find the articles and I would love to find the articles. If anybody is hearing this and has access to the articles, please send me the articles. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Moving on. (laughs) After that, the Lutzes met up with the defense attorney, William Weber. Okay. Do you remember William Weber? Wasn't he Junior's defense attorney? He was He was Butch's defense attorney. Great. So the Lutzes met up with William Weber. Why? According to them, they felt bad for Butch and thought maybe whatever happened with the hauntings to them had affected him and maybe caused him... To murder his family. Like, maybe he was possessed. Like, maybe he was haunted or possessed mm-hmm. when, like, it wasn't his fault. It's because the house is haunted. Yeah. And so they thought, like, maybe it had something to do with the sextuple murder. And so they talked to William Weber. So, apparently they met several times. But essentially they stayed up all night going through bottle after bottle of wine and crime scene photos that Weber had brought. Great. So, again... He's showing them pictures of the green dust all over the house. Yeah. And they go like, oh, that looks kind of like green slime. Oh, we we saw that. Didn't we see that? We saw that. And, um, you know, they show the, the picture of Dawn's room with all of the flies all around her body. And she and, and they're like, oh, we we saw flies, right? We saw flies. Yeah, definitely. That was there. Yeah, there were flies everywhere. Way more flies than normal. So, basically, it kind of 
remade their memory by adding shit to it. Right? Right. Yeah. And... Which is what your brain does. It fills in yeah, those gaps. Yeah, no, exactly. Your brain fills in gaps. Because brains are stupid. <laughs> Must fill all the gaps. I don't care if it's right or not. So they were talking all of this over, and River starts talking about book deals. And, like, he, he literally had, like, a book deal lined up before this, just for the DeFeo murders. He was right. starting to talk about stuff. Which... I always feel really, like, ethically questionable when a lawyer, specifically a defense attorney, starts, like, talking about book deals. So, he's talking about book deals, yada yada, and we're not exactly sure what happened at this point. The Lutzes essentially say that uh, part of Weber's book deal was, oh, 5% goes back to Butch, and they were like, oh, no, we're not paying Butch for murdering his family. Right. But there's also the possibility that they were like, oh, we can make way more money by selling this on our own, yada, yada. Okay. Nobody really knows other than them, and yeah. they're dead. They died in 2000s. Over non-creepy causes? Uh, Technically, although they died very young. They were, like, in their late 50s, early 60s. Huh, interesting. Uh... Kathy died right before the remake of the Amityville Horror, and George Do mm -hmm. died right after the remake of the Amityville Horror. Interesting. <laughs> but they dropped Weber like a hot potato and somehow at some point ended up with Anson, who writes mm -hmm. Amityville Horror. But we're not there yet. Ugh. It's okay. This is the fun part. <laughs> All right, so Laura Didio was a Channel 5 news reporter. She contacted the Lutzes a couple months after they had moved out. Okay. She basically said, like, I felt like they needed help, which is fair. Yeah. And uh, George met with them in front of the house, but refused mm -hmm. to step foot on the property. Huh. That is spooky. It's kind of spooky. It also kind of reinforces that he really believed his own story. Mm hmm So Laura got together with Ed and Lorraine Warren. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, you should know Ed and Lorraine Warren, but I have a feeling you don't know Ed and Lorraine Warren. No. Okay. They are, like, the paranormal research couple. Okay. You know The Conjuring? Mm-hmm. That's them. Okay. They're the family that, in, they're the couple that investigates. And they have investigated, like, they investigated Annabelle the Doll. They investigated Amityville. They investigated, like, everything. Everything that was haunted, they investigated it. They were super fucking Catholic. They did a ton of exorcisms. They were full of shit, but they definitely believed their shit. Okay. Wow. Interesting. So, Didio hooks up with the Warrens. And the mm -hmm. Warrens, with Didio, get together a psychic team, and they have a psychic slumber party. Uh, great. Great. So, March 6th, 1976, they, they get together, they mm -hmm. stay the night, there's a bunch of psychics, and this is, like, the most amazing thing ever. Okay. L Laura Didio is talking about this. And, and she's like, as a reporter, I have to tell you, 
I didn't experience anything weird. But all around her were these psychics just wandering around going, Oh! Ah! Ah! Oh my god! <laughs> That's great. So, this regular person, reporter, is just surrounded by psychics in a haunted house. Oh my god. I just, I can't imagine anything more delightful. You want to be in that position, don't you? I want to be there! So, the Warrens specifically believed that the haunting was demonic. Okay. Um, because something something Catholics. I don't know. And uh, that's where the in- infamous quote from Lorraine Warren about Amityville. She says, I hope this is as close to hell as I'll ever get. Okay. She just felt a really strong, evil presence. You know? Yeah. Just real strong. Real evil. Real evil. Real demonic. Like you do. Yeah. Everyone knows that yeah. feeling. Sneaks up on you sometimes. Yep. Definitely. And uh, Mary Downey, she believes that the haunting was a residual haunting from the DeFeos. So, like, it was ghosts. Right. It wasn't what caused the DeFeo murder. It was, like, the remnants of it. Mm-hmm. And, and this is kind of where that, that freaky fucking photo comes in. Mm-hmm. And this, all, this photo I will definitely post on, like, Instagram when we upload this episode. Because it is a fucking beast of a photo. It is spooky. The one with the kid? Yes. Yes. Like, that's so scary. So what happened is Ed and Lorraine Warren set up these cameras throughout the house that would just sort of take pictures. Okay. And so most of the pictures they got of this particular stairwell was just the stairwell. But at one point, they get this fucking spooky little ghost child. Oh, that makes it so much worse. I don't like that at all. It's not a doctored photo. There's just like suddenly a spooky ghost child. However, here's Paul Bartz on the night of the psychic slumber party. Now, the kid does look a little bit like John or Mark mm-hmm. from that from that painting, from the portraits. Yeah. But that shirt is the same shirt that Paul Bartz is wearing. Yeah. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Which makes you think... Oh, shit. He put his face in the camera right as it clicked. Yeah. So. Okay. It's a freaky fucking photo. It's very spooky. But it's probably not a ghost child. It's probably not. That makes me feel so much better. That photo was way too creepy. It's really creepy. So that's that night. Now, let me tell you this bit. Because it's a doozy. Alright. So a little bit later... Professor Doctor Hans Holzer. Oh, he, yes, that guy. He's a professor and a doctor. Yes, obviously. And he is another one of those, like, oh, damn, paranormal researchers. Okay. Apparently all of these guys are, like, real famous psychics. Oh, great. Whatever that means. <laughs> They're famous, and they say they see ghosts. But, I mean, basically every house Hans Holzer has ever gone into is haunted, so whatever. so he believes that the haunting was just one ghost and it was that of a and this is him this is not me a dead indian chief great yep i love it so he believed that the house had been buried on a shinnecock burial ground 
The house had been built? Built. Not buried. That he believed that the house had been built on a Shinnecock burial ground. Fuck. <laughs> it's a good thing we can, like, edit this, or you can. Yeah. I'm gonna have to leave in some of these mistakes in case we ever do a live show. So that people know to, you know, expect Expect it. the worst. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, okay. He believed that the house had been built on a Shinnecock burial ground. And, uh, about a year later... It's January 13th, 1977. So it's a year after the the Lutzes fled. Okay, yeah. So two years after the DeFeo murder, right? Or two and a half? About. Yeah, about okay. two and a half. Uh, two, two and some change. Weber, mm-hmm. Didio, and Holzer go into the house with renowned transmedium Ethel Johnson Myers. Uh, Ethel looks pretty cool. She's that precious little old lady. Now... So the way that transmediums work, it's one of the ways, like, that you interpret and talk to ghosts. Okay. And what they do is they go into a trance, and they use their body as a medium for the ghost to speak through. Okay. So she starts talking in gibberish. Okay. Like you do. Because it's, cause it's some ancient language. Or some shit. Um, and she reaffirms that it was an Indian cemetery. Okay. Not a Shinnecock cemetery. An Indian cemetery. Yeah. Which, again, reaffirms the bullshit because an actual chief would not be referring to himself as an Indian chief. But whatever. Whatever. <laughs> um, and also, apparently, and this is kind of cool, when she went into the trance, she kind of had, like, a physical change. Like, her Adam's oh, apple started to stick out, and she started speaking at, like, a much lower octave. That's cool. So, you know, even if what she was doing was bullshit, she was very good at it. Yeah. Which is probably how she became renowned. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah, that seems logical. Um, so, Holzer believes that you know, it's this angry chief who had this house built on his land and he just wants you to get off his land. Mm-hmm. And so he literally caused Butch to murder his whole family. That's hardcore. But the Shinnecock tribe has has literally called bullshit since then. There was like, no, there was never anything here. Yeah. A, the Shinnecocks were like 70 miles away. Oh, yeah. And B, <laughs> one of their... Um, one of their more recent, like, spokespeople, I think it was a chief, actually, came forward and was like, we don't do that. <laughs> what? That- we don't, we don't possess people and cause them to do evil things. Yeah, like, that's not a thing we can do. That's, that's not our style. <laughs> that's not our style. <laughs> it's not that we can't possess people. It's just that we don't. <laughs> it's just that we don't. So, that's... That's a thing. And I have to bring up the Hans Holzer thing Mm -hmm. because the belief that this was built on Indian burial grounds, so to speak, has permeated the mythos of this house. Right. Like, there's a lot of people that think that it was Indian burial grounds. And I honestly think that it's reinforced the whole built on ancient Indian burial grounds, you get haunted. Right. Story. 
And I don't know how natives feel about that particular stereotype, but I'm sure that not fondly. Yeah, not. I mean, I don't think it's the worst one, but I'm sure you're right that not fondly. Especially when you're implicating specific tribes, but like even in general, it's just one of those like, it kind of goes to the like spiritual savage. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're definitely right about that. Although something else though I considered, and this is a little bit tangential, but like it stands to reason to me that people who are professional psychics and paranormal investigators are probably going to be of a more liberal variety. And in the sixties and seventies is when you had like the American Indian movement happening. True. And so, I mean, I'm not, I guess to some extent, I wonder how much of it is like sort of misguided, letting valid politics get into how you're interpreting a haunting like almost like benevolent racism just like oh obviously this is on an indian barrel ground because we stole all their shit so yeah that's probably what's going on and we should get the hell out and this really relates to a larger political issue i do i do definitely think that a lot of the like indian burial ground stories were definitely formed from like white progressivism Right. That's exactly what I was trying to describe. The idea is well-intentioned, and you're trying to say, like, these guys were here first, and we fucked them over, and, like, they have every right to be angry with us. Mm -hmm. But it becomes this, like, oh, they're these spiritually better than thou, and, and, you know, it just reinforces stereotypes in general, and ultimately becomes a different kind of problematic. Yes, exactly. So, it's just another... Man, white people fuck everything up, even trying to unfuck shit up. <laughs> <laughs> Often, especially that. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. I'm sorry, everyone. <laughs> so then Jay Anson's book comes out. Now, Jay Anson and the Lutzes didn't work directly together, mm-hmm. but they sent him 45 hours of tapes of their like recollected experiences that sounds like some obsessive behavior i mean i guess yeah considering if you if you take 28 days you know 45 hours that's two of their 28 days like that's a solid percentage yeah yeah that's a long (laughs) of how much time they were there that they took to retell what they were there yeah yeah for sure exactly but you think once you'd left you'd want to stop reliving it Although maybe it was, maybe it was 45 hours of each of the Lutzes telling their story. Right. Because there was five of them. But still. So, you know, if you have 28 days of, like, horrifying horror and it takes five hours, nope, that's a little much. That's a little much. Anyway, (laughs) it is a lot. It definitely is a lot. But if it's all five of them, I can kind of see the justification. You know. I mean, God, we always have, like, three hours of content, and it takes me forever to edit that down into an hour. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) That's true. So the book comes out in September of 1977, and this reporter, Rick Moran, investigated the book, and he found 116 factual errors. 116. Yeah. Not just, like, this is obviously bullshit, like, spiritual haunting bullshit. Yeah, yeah. But, like, factual errors. Like, it didn't snow on that day sort of errors. Right. Okay. Completely easily provably wrong? Yes. And uh, this is where Anson... 
he has this ridiculous quote. So he's bitching out Rick Moran about how Moran writes facts and and Anson writes stories. And one day you'll be broke and I'll be on an island with a truckload of cashmere sweaters. (laughs) And I'll be on an island with a truckload of cashmere sweaters. Which is kind of like the opposite... Like, what kind of an island are you on? Are you on, right, like, a, exactly. an island off of Maine? Like, why is it so cold? Why do you need a truckload of cashmere? Like, if you're covered in, like, hot Bahamas sweat, do you really want, like, sweaty, sandy cashmere sweaters? No. No. But <laughs> it just shows what this guy's, like, grip on reality was, I guess. He just he just thought of two fancy things. And put them together. Double fancy. And he was like, you can't have this. Ha ha ha. (laughs) So according to Anson's plot, which was definitely bullshit, but a little bit less bullshit than some of the stuff that the movies come up with. Mm -hmm. They changed the priest name because that's a thing. Yeah. To Mancuso. So George wakes up at 315 every night. The house is plagued by swarms of flies. Kathy has nightmares, reliving the details of the DeFeo murders. Bullshit. The kids start sleeping on their stomachs. There's the Kathy-loving embrace story. Mm -hmm. George discovers the red room, and the dog Harry refuses to go near it. Cold spots, and there's smells of perfume and feces. Ew. With no draft to explain the source. And you know what? If I, like... I would rather smell feces than perfume and feces. If you're thinking yeah, about okay. it. Yeah, I think you're, that's terrible, but I think you're right. Like, that does sound really unpleasant. Like, like if somebody had Febrezed an outhouse. It's like, no, this doesn't make it better. No, that's, that's just still bad. Like, it just gives my nose false hope <laughs> for you to disappoint it. Yeah, I like that. Good description. Oh, yeah. George and Kathy see a demon in the fireplace with half of its face blown off. Of course they do. So I think that's mixing what happened actually to Don DeFeo with, like, the Piggy the Cat story. With the Piggy the Cat story in specific. Yeah. That's my best guess. Because, you know, Demon okay. Pig. Yeah. And then, you know, Don DeFeo's face really was blown off. Right. That's an easy... That's an easy... uh connection to make i guess yeah taking some liberty liberties there um there's missy's imaginary friend jody the demon pig (laughs) at one point uh, george sees jody in the window of missy's room and he runs up to check on her and she's asleep but the rocking chair is rocking yeah the cat probably jumped off the rocking chair (laughs) into the window (laughs) true George hears doors slamming that no one else hears. Uh, George hears a marching band tuning up, and then it stops when he goes downstairs. Oh, George discovered that he looked like Ronald DeFeo and begins drinking at the same bars as him. That's weird. Which they renamed the Witch's Brew, as opposed to, you know, this is probably Henry's Bar. But if you look at the pictures, like, I, it's probably just that everyone in the 70s was just covered in facial hair. And looked like each other. But... They do kind of look alike, but that's kind of in a all white guys look alike kind of way. Yeah. Yeah, I can see what you're saying here. Yeah. 
Kathy saw Jody's glowing red eyes outside of Missy's window. We talked about, you know, cat eyes. Mm-hmm. Kathy developed welts on her chest and levitated. Doors and windows became damaged for no reason. They discovered cloven hoof prints in the snow. Green slime oozed from the walls. Uh, there's the crucifix story. There's the China lion story. There's Kathy transforming into an old woman. Missy would sing in her room, but would stop whenever she left her room. There's the... Okay, so this is one that's mixing stories. Kathy hears a window opening and closing in the sewing room, but when she goes inside, there's no one there. Okay. So that's mixing the China lion with the window story. I guess. Yeah, it's basically... It's basically, like, taking liberties with the window story. Yeah. Which is already spooky enough, but, like, whatever. (laughs) There's a story of they're trying to bless the house themselves, Mm -hmm. and they keep hearing voices that say, will you stop? Will you stop? Yeah. Can you not? (laughs) Can you please stop doing that? Like, I really don't like the Lord's Prayer. Like, it's just, it's just a thing that I'm not a big fan of. (laughs) Makes me really want to leave. It just makes me really uncomfortable. I'm not leaving, but, like, I just... I don't know. It triggers me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Alex, that'd be the worst kind of ghost. I'm just a really triggered ghost. I would be such a shit ghost. Yeah, that'd be terrible. Please don't ever haunt me. (laughs) I would would play pranks. I would be a prank playing ghost. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I believe that. I'm I'm not one of those ghosts. I'm a cool ghost. I'm a cool ghost. (laughs) Um, so... You know, you can kind of see, like, the bullshit starting mm-hmm. to seep out of the seams. Yeah, definitely. Then the movie comes out. Now, George apparently was, like, a little bit annoyed with the liberties that Anson took. Mm-hmm. But he apparently, like, was notorious for disliking the movie. Oh, okay. And they did make it pretty hammy, but, like, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> whatever it's a movie they mm-hmm. hollywooded it yeah so a lot of the stuff is the same again they changed the priest's name and the kids names which makes oh, nice. sense because yeah. they're fucking children oh yeah the, in the priest story dude's literally like assaulted by flies okay yeah like he goes in he tries blessing the house and just flies covering his face right it like launches flies at him just very Hollywood. And then they drive him from the house. He just freaks out so hard. Um, and then he, he gets the blisters on his palm when he's trying to call the family. And, like, he's trying to help them out. And his car malfunctions. And he gets into an accident. Wow. And he ends up going blind and having a me- mental breakdown. Wow. So, like, really, a lot really bullshitted the, the pre-story. What was very likely a priest, like, giving them advice on how to sage their house became, like, a priest fucking goes insane trying to save them from the obvious demons that are there. Oh, my God. Wow, that's impressive. Then, uh, George becomes sullen and angry over the cold. Uh, there's the window thing, but it smashes the boy's hand, and it's like, ugh. I mean, I don't know. It's very, like, 70s style, but it 
It's pretty gross. Like, smashes you, it too much. You like you like see the hand smash, but it's like obviously like a rubber doll that they put in the window, but right. it's also like ew. It's also like full of yeah. They they have the Jody with the spooky eyes in the window, mm-hmm. and Harry becomes obsessed with the secret room. That's a dog. In, instead of like green ooze, okay. So so black bubbling substance starts coming from the toilets, and ooze comes from the nail holes in the wall. Okay, which is kind of fun. That's good. Then there's a scene where the babysitter gets locked in the closet, which is also uh-uh. so bullshit. Kathy's aunt, who is a nun, ends up running, vomiting from the house. There's the 3 a.m. thing, George mm-hmm. waking up at 3 a.m., and then there's the Kathy DeFeo nightmares. Oh, and then the, here it is. They end up researching and find out that the house was built on tribal burial grounds. Oh, great. As well as had once been home to a devil worshiper, John Ketchum. So... They they flee in the middle of the night through a storm, and, oh yeah, George forgets to and then goes back for the dog, and oh, no. he, ends up, he ends up falling through the floor, and there's the red room, and blah blah blah, and he falls into this, like, green ooze, and, I don't know, it's- That's just how George dies, going back for the dog? No, he, he doesn't room. die, he, he does get out, it's just, you know, like, they just add so much Hollywood bullshit. Yeah. This is me telling it super out of order because it's been a while since I <laughs> watched the movie. Okay. But, you know, they Hollywooded an already bullshit story. Right. So then they remake it in 2005, and this is the Ryan Reynolds version. Oh, okay, great. Yeah. And so <laughs> I remember seeing a, an interview with George Lutz, and he was like, the original movie was like a documentary compared to this movie. <laughs> was like a documentary compared to this movie. It's wow. Like, okay, so you really didn't like that. Again, they renamed the children and the priest. This time, Jody is slash is shares a name with one of the DeFeo children. Mm-hmm. Which is a thing that I have heard other people insist was like oh missy's mm-hmm. imaginary friend was the same name as one of the De- dead defeo children and so like this retelling of the story has definitely permeated the culture okay that makes sense the the babysitter story happens but this time like the babysitter had previously been a babysitter for the defeos oh, okay and the little the little girl uh tells her that she was a bad babysitter because jody told her so and then something, something, she ends up getting locked in the closet, and she has to be taken away in an uh-huh. ambulance. Dang. And then in this story, George straight up becomes, like, violence and violent and abusive. Oh, that sucks. Kathy discovers that the house used to belong to a cult preacher, Jeremiah Ketchum, who used to torture Native Americans. Okay. So again, the Native American story permeating. And at some point, George, like, sees all of the Native American torture victims, and he runs into Ketchum, who slits his own throat, which sprays blood all over George, and he becomes possessed. Wow. That's intense. And that's when George starts, like, attempting to murder Kathy and the kids, and I think he literally does kill the dog. Oh. Which I think is the reason that... 
I mean, like, basically George becoming so fucking violent is probably yeah. the reason that George Lutz is like, this is bullshit and I hate this. Yeah, of course. That makes total sense. You, like, made me a violent, abusive asshole. Yeah, I would definitely not like a movie that did that to me. I think Kathy has to, like, knock him out mm-hmm. and, like, take him away from the home for him to become unpossessed and that's how they escape. Okay. I don't know. The 2000s were a bad time for American horror. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> like, I'm not I'm not proud of our horror in the okay. in the noughties. But that happened and was poor. Was poor. <laughs> was poor. It did not it was not particularly well received, but you know, it literally has added to the mythos surrounding the Amityville home. So Oh, yeah. You can't ignore it. (sighs) Yeah. I think that's the interesting and sometimes unfortunate thing about, like, horror culture, right? Is that it is so intertwined and you, like, almost like you can't make a movie that people are going to see that's not going to contribute to, like, perpetuating something that will, like, later make people believe in horror more down the line. Like, you're all, it's always being added to. Yeah. And, like, and like I like that. I really I really like the way horror builds mm-hmm. upon itself and I like the way like the horror evolves. But I do think it's really important to kind of parse out what really happened from what's bullshit and got made up and then added to right. the story. Because you know, in the end the real horror story is this fucking gnarly ass six person murder that gets almost completely washed out in the later Amityvilles. Right. That's a really valid point. And it becomes some native burial ground that some fucking ghost hunter made up out of his ass. Yeah. And becomes nothing about this family that was slaughtered. Which is actually kind of shitty. Yeah. So you end up kind of fucking over, like, a handful of people. Yeah. By mistelling this story so egregiously. And repeatedly. (laughs) Yeah. Like, you know, the only thing that really links the DeFeos in that, you know, in that remake is that the imaginary friend was the little girl. Yeah. And, like... I don't know, that's kind of fucked up because it basically makes the DeFeos represented by one not particularly benevolent spirit. Yeah, that's true. And their whole story gets kind of, like you said, just washed out. And, like, sure, that family was a dysfunctional family, but, like, Allison was 13 and Don was 18 and, like, they were little tiny babies. Like, they couldn't have been that evil. Yeah, for sure. So, since since the Lutz moved out, none of the homeowners have reported anything weird or haunted, and there's been a handful. Okay. <laughs> uh, Jim and Barbara Cromarty were interviewed. They were they were the family that moved in right after the Lutzes. Mm-hmm. They they said that none of the reported damage to the home was there. Okay. So you know no they were ooze, talking. No weird window. 
Yeah, and like, well, and they were talking about like, oh, there was, you know, these doors were being ripped off the hinges and shit was flying around the house and like everything was fine. There were no doors ripped off hinges or anything like that. And beyond that, they've never experienced any haunting. How good for them. Also, at some point, they changed whoever was the homeowner when this happened. I don't know if it was Jim and Barbara Cormati or if it was somebody after them. Mm-hmm. But they changed the house number from 112. Oh, yeah. You showed me that on the map. Um, and they also changed the windows from the half moon uh-huh. windows to square windows. Okay. Make those it less were, noticeable. Yeah, and those were kind of, like, iconic, where the, yeah. basically the house had a face, windows. Yeah. The the residents of what was 112 Ocean Avenue and the residents of Amityville would like people to just stop fucking touristing there and stop standing on their lawn and stop trying and to stop take shit from the lawn. house. <laughs> oh, it's terrible. So, again, tourism ruins the day. Again, jeez, yeah. yeah. Leave creepy places alone. Leave creepy okay, places alone. Unless they invite you. Because, like, Texarkana was actually kind of proud of their weird, awful history. Because yeah. they have that, you know, that yearly festival event where they play the town that dreaded sundown. But, like, Centralia wanted people to GTFO their lawn. Yeah. <laughs> and Amityville also wants you to GTFO their lawn. Like, unless they turn the house into a bed and breakfast, don't go there. Don't go there. Exactly. Unless you're paying, don't go. Yeah. Literally nobody wants you to take shit off of their lawn. Ever. For any reason. Even if they're a bed and breakfast. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. That's the conclusion of Amityville. Oh, dear. Was all of the spooky... Is just and honestly, it kind of just feels a little bit disappointing. Like all the spooky was just people being either like confused or shitty. Yeah, I think that there was a lot of well-intentioned people. Like I think all of the psychs were well-intentioned, mm. just so full of shit. Yeah, especially the Native American burial ground. Yeah, that's definitely. I think just a symptom of the times and not anything to be considered at all. Yeah. I don't mean to shit all over everyone's parade, but the hauntings were pretty 800% bullshit. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. Like, it's probably one of the most notoriously haunted houses in America. And, and it's just not even haunted even a little bit. It is probably one of the least actually haunted houses. <laughs> well, you heard it here. Another reason to stay out of Amityville. But hey... The psychic slumber party was basically the best thing I've ever researched. Yeah, that's... Really, you should go to Amityville to learn about the psychic slumber party. Really, just have a psychic slumber party. That sounds great. You can have it at your own house. If you invite somebody like Hans Holzer, he will find a ghost. Ugh. It will be a bullshit ghost, but he will find it, and it will be so much fun. I just... I'm feeling like a Halloween-themed slumber party coming on... Just pretend. Uh, Just pretend to be psychic. October's coming. I know. It's great. I will be Hans Holzer. (laughs) We'll play with a Luigi board. (laughs) Perfect. All right. Well, I hope you had fun. I had so much fun. I'm a little disappointed, but it was worth it. Coming on this trip to Long Island with us. (laughs) I'm sorry that I shat all over the hauntings, but... 
but there is not a dead Indian chief living in that house. All right. Social media things. Twitter at Horror Academy. Instagram at Horror underscore Academy. You can Gmail us at Horror Academy Pod. And, uh... Have we gotten any emails yet? That'd be so great. I'm so excited. Oh, no. I only, like, just announced that we have a Gmail. Oh, I thought you did that on, <laughs> uh, older episodes as well. But I guess not. I hope we get emails. That'd be so fun. I Send like us some emails. good housekeeping, please. Send us good housekeeping. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just made the face of a cat that you put something weird on their fur. Yeah, yeah, you did. <laughs> That was great. Oh, well. Oh, well. All right. All right. Thanks for listening. Thank you, listeners. Love you. Bye. Love you, bye. <laughs> Beep, boop, pop. Shame.